Uh, my name is Jody Collins. First, let me introduce John Payne. John will be sharing in this presentation, and he'll be doing some Bible storing with us. John is the president of Medical Ambassadors International, and he's written a large quantity of our Bible storing materials for our community health evangelism curriculum. How many of you are familiar with community health evangelism? A number of you. Okay, well, I hope so. We can talk to you about that later if you have any questions about it. Um, my name is Jody Collins. I'm a pediatrician from southern Mexico. And once in a while, if I slip into Spanish, just remind me to wake up. But uh, I also work in curriculum development and in community health evangelism with children. So today we're going to be talking about using stories in a holistic way, both for Bible storying and also to teach health or other topics. How many of you have used storing? A good number. Okay, if we get a chance towards the end, we'll ask for some of your comments or your suggestions about storing. But first, I'm going to have you take a test. Whoops. I hope I'm going to have you take a test. Let's try this one, maybe. Oh, my. Is We undid this, but it seems to have... Just a second for technical issues here. In, in putting on the USB, we've frozen up my computer. Yeah, we do escape and try it again. Oh, there we go. Well, let's see if it works now. Okay. Let's go back to the beginning here. All right. Now, here are two tests. Who would like to tell me, in this first row, which one does not belong? What, what do I hear? Okay, what's, your, what's the consensus? The log. Okay, so everybody votes for the log. Are we consistent on that? Oh, oh, you know too much about this. Okay, so most of you say the log and some of you say the axe. Let's look at the second one. Okay, I hear some hammers. Uh, majority was log and a few people said axe. Is that right? Okay, how about down here? The orange doesn't belong. Okay, we'll take one more test and then we'll come back and score your exam. What are these? Okay, name them. Oh, congratulations. Virtually all of you have shown that you are not oral learners, but you are highly literate learners. Let me go back. If you were somebody who's not had formal training, not had any experience with these, not gone to school, what would you notice first? The axe is vertical. It's a different shape. It's in a different alignment. How about here? The knife is vertical. You wouldn't, if you hadn't had any analytical thinking 
or able to make comparisons, you wouldn't be thinking so much about the function as about their appearance. All right. Now, where did you learn that this was a circle? In school, in kindergarten, first grade, or maybe your mother taught you. What would you say if you'd never been to school and you'd never had that training? A cantaloupe. A plate. A sun. How about this? A box, a block. This was the one I had a harder time. A tent, a pyramid, a teepee. Almost a piece of pie, but not quite. (laughs) All right. So you've all proven so far that you're highly literate learners. Now, here's a second test. This is to see how really smart you are. Who can read one of these? You can do it, okay, phonetically? (laughs) What are we showing about this? Around the world, how many languages more or less are there that don't have the Bible as a written language? A lot. I've heard different statistics. Some people say around 2,000 languages, 2,000 of the major languages, don't yet have the Bible as a written language. So what does that tell you? What's your conclusion from these tests that we've done so far? Oh. Okay. A lot of people pass on their information not with books, Not with lectures, but through storing, through dramas, through songs, through skits. Okay. So what is an oral learner? An oral learner is people who prefer to learn by speech, by spoken words, rather than by written words and books. Now, here's where we need the ten people that we asked for. Can you all come up here and form a line? John will help keep you in line here. All right. And we've got our Bible as well. Oh, he's got one. All right. Now, These ten people would like to get together for a Bible study. But there's a couple of problems. First of all, three of them can't read at all. So three of you come on over here. I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to take part very well in the Bible study. Around the world, about 30%, three of ten people don't read. Another two people... You t- are functionally illiterate. <laughs> they may have gone to school for a few years, but their reading level is very low. In the developing world, up to half of the people leave school by the age of fourth or fifth grade. How did we get 11 out of our 10? <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> all right. We'll take another three people then. Of the rest of the people, 
perhaps another 30%, 3 out of 10, have completed high school, but after they got out of high school, they never read a book again. If you go into any home in Mexico, where I live, the television is always on. They're watching their soap operas, or they're not watching their soap operas. It's always on. And But if you ask them, what are they reading, what have they read, the most common thing they've read is a comic book. They may have a Bible, but it's on the back shelf with a pile of dust on top of it. So how's our Bible study ending up? How many people do we have left for our Bible study? Yeah, we only have about a third of the people who are able to sit down and study the Bible. So what does that tell you? Around the world, about two-thirds of the people are oral learners. And how are they going to learn best? Storing. Storing. All right. And in what context would they use stories? Pictures. Stories, pictures. How is, how is information passed on in an African village? From the parents? What other forms? Sometimes in the family? Songs. Sometimes in a community gathering, too. And that's the way a lot of the culture, a lot of the information is passed on. All right. I'm going to step down for a minute and let John take over. I hope. You may sit down. Thank you. A big applause for our... I was living in Nairobi, Kenya. I was taught something about Bible storying by a group called Simply the Story. Uh, it's a group that does not want me representing them here today because I've not had their formal training. So anything you dislike about what I do should not be blamed on Simply the Story. <laughs> what I have discovered is that one of the most effective ways for me as a literate learner to study the Bible is through Bible storying. And I want to see if I can help you understand that, how that is the case by giving you an example of Bible storying with the John Payne twist on simply the story. First thing I will want to do is to give you some background to the story I'm going to tell. This is a story that comes from the life of Jesus toward the end of his ministry. About This was one of the last things that he did before he walked up the hill toward Jerusalem for the last time. So, at this time, he had been in Jericho. 
he probably met Zacchaeus there in Jericho. He was ready to return back to Jerusalem. And that's where our story begins. Okay? As Jesus was leaving the city of Jericho, he was with a large group of people, including his disciples. And there, by the side of the road, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. And he was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth passing by, he cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me! And the crowd around him said, Quiet down, you're making a disturbance. So Bartimaeus said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me! And Jesus stopped and called him. So the people around Bartimaeus said, Cheer up, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus jumped up and he threw his cloak to the side and went over to Jesus. And Jesus said to Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to receive my sight. Then Jesus said to Bartimaeus, Go. Your faith has healed you. And immediately Bartimaeus received his sight and he went down the road with Jesus. That's the end of our story. If you wanted to look it up in your Bible, it would be located in Mark 10, verses 46 to 52. But just to make sure that each one of you has that story firmly in your head, I'd like to ask you a few sort of simple questions about the information. And it's okay to just pipe up with the answer, okay? Now, when Jesus was leaving Jericho, was he by himself? Large crowd with him. Who all was in that crowd? Disciples. Disciples were a part of the crowd. Who was by the side of the road when they walked out of the city? Bartimaeus. And what was wrong with Bartimaeus? What was he doing? Begging. Well, when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth going by, what did he do? And what did the crowd tell him to do? And so what did he do? He was not a whole lot quieter, as I remember. Okay? Then what did Jesus do? So what did the crowd tell Bartimaeus? He's calling you. So what did Bartimaeus do? Jumped up, threw cloak to slide, went to Jesus. What did Jesus ask Bartimaeus? What did he want? And then... uh, What did Bartimaeus ask for? What happened then? Jesus said something to him first. What did Jesus say first? He said, go. 
And then what happened? He received his sight, followed down the road. You guys know this story really well. Now, if we were in the developing world, or we were here in the United States with more time to do this, I would now ask for a volunteer to get up and tell you all the story. Now, I suspect that if I looked around this group, I could pick any one of you, and you'd be able to repeat this story in a way that's pretty credible. After you had done that, you know when you'd been doing that, everybody here would have been measuring their own memory against yours to say, is that person as good as I am? Or maybe you're not as competitive as I am. But that would, be, that would be what I was thinking. Well, after we'd gone through that, all everybody in this room would feel like they are an authority on the story of Bartimaeus. And then it would be time to start asking some questions. Some questions to get a little bit under the surface. We call those interpretation questions. You ready for an interpretation question? What do you think would have happened if Bartimaeus had quieted down when the crowd told him to? He would not have received his sight. Jesus would have kept on going. Now, what do you think would have happened if when Jesus called him, Bartimaeus had said, I'd love to have a really large contribution. <laughs> He'd have, he, he maybe had gotten a contribution. We don't know. We don't know whether Jesus had anything to give him. Okay? How do you think people felt about Bartimaeus when he was doing his shouting at the beginning? How do you think they felt about him when he was walking down the road with Jesus at the end of the story? How would you compare the way Bartimaeus felt about himself at the beginning of the story with the end of the story? Okay. What else did you impress you about this story? Persistence. He was brave. His faith healed him. Now, would his faith have been enough if Jesus hadn't been there for the faith to mean something? Right. Right. So, are you ready at this point to proceed to the really uncomfortable part of storying? That's the application part. Bartimaeus was pretty much aware of what he needed when he heard Jesus was going by. How aware do you think you are of what you need? Do you think you're all pretty aware of what you need or a thing that you'd have to think about it before you really recognize what you needed? In a crisis, you sometimes discover you had additional needs behind, beyond what you thought. Okay? Now, let's suppose that you know what you need. 
Have there been times in your life when even though you knew what you needed, you really didn't call out to Jesus? It was as if you had been quiet? Why do you think you stayed quiet rather than calling out to Jesus when you knew that Jesus was there? You're afraid. Small need. You're worried about what other people think of you or me. Yeah. If you don't really believe in Jesus, it's not worth asking because he can't help. Solve the problem with my own resources. I should really do everything I can first, at least. Okay? I should be repeating your answers here for the sake of the tape. But I'm, you've done a real good job. Now, let's put yourself in Bartimaeus' position. You're now in front of Jesus. Jesus has asked you, what do you want me to do for you? What would you ask Jesus to give you right now? Wisdom to raise teenagers. Just what you need. You mean let him determine what you need. Ah, what a good idea. Any other ideas of what you would ask for? Peace. Peace. Guidance and difficult decisions. What do you think the things you're asking for would tell you about yourself and what's important to you? What, what your priorities are. Who you love. And if Jesus were to this day immediately give you exactly what you asked for, how would you feel about Jesus? Happy. He has proved himself. Worried. Worried that you might get exactly what you asked for. And if Jesus were to have done that, how would you feel about Jesus afterwards? Gratitude. Gratitude. You'd trust him. He would recognize him as capable. You would love him. It would be affirmation that he is God. Now that's a great transition to my second to the last application question. What did you learn about God from this story? Or what did you learn about Jesus? Because Jesus was showing himself to be God in this story. He cares about your need and he's powerful. He calls you to Him. And He responds when you call out to Him. 
What did you learn about yourself from this story? You'd have been, you'd have shut up when the crowd told you to, huh? Anybody else learn something about themselves? What I want, you'd have been one of the crowd. I've been there. I've done that. She said she'd be one of the crowd. What I want to do now is to pass out copies of some information about storying. There are um, three pages in this handout. The first page is a real quick one-page summary of how to prepare to do exactly what I have done today. The second page is going to be an example of the, the questions that we suggest that people ask about the story of Bartimaeus. It'll come, first of all, with the title of the story, the reference for the story, key words on the story. Key words are important because we have them indexed on a CD so that you can go to keywords alphabetically if you're not quite sure what story might deal with the idea that you'd like to get across today. And then there is an introduction that really tells some background to the story that you're going to tell. And immediately after the introduction, there's, there's going to be um, the story itself, that you tell it, and then the step-through questions I did to make sure the details are out there. Has everybody got a copy now? Yes. If, I, if, I, if you don't get a copy, uh, I come to me and get, uh, get a card so you can email me and ask me to give you a copy. The, the third page you'll see there is a list, of question, a list of stories that we suggest you use for discipling new believers. Are there any, any more blank ones around here? If you didn't get one, see me afterwards and I'll make sure I email you a copy. The third page is a list of 20 stories that might be used for discipling a new believer to one-on-one go through a story and ask the questions. Now, let me tell you, most people who use storying don't give lists of questions like this. The reason that I've chosen to write out questions like this is that I find that many people who don't have a lot of experience in Bible studies have a harder time thinking of the interpretation and application questions. They can do all the rest of it really well. In many cases, they can tell the story better than I can, but they're not as good at thinking of those dig-into-it questions. It does not mean they can't do it, but it means sometimes you have to get them started so they know what you're thinking about, and then they can think of their own questions that in many cases are better than mine. But these are just questions to get people started. Now, what's about my experience of people using this? I've watched in Nairobi when people who were horrible te- storytellers <laughs> told the story. And they were read the questions off the page in the most wooden fashion that I have ever seen. 
And people did interpretation that was just as good as if I had done the story well. And the applications were just shatteringly life-changing. And I've, I have done this on 300 Bible stories so far. And there's a remarkable thing that happens. I have never re- read a story that didn't have applications that left me saying, you mean I've been a Christian all my life and I didn't know this? So I am very, very pro using storying. We use it in many uh, cultures where people cannot read well. But we're finding that it is really the key to unlocking God's Word. My hope is that people going through storying will say, wow, that Bible's a lot more interesting than I thought. I need to pull it out and do some reading. It might actually be better than the novel I'm in. And for people who don't read the Bible because they can't read, this can be a life-changing way to discover who Jesus is. Does it work for kids? Of course. If I had kids in this group, you know, they would have answered more questions than you did. <laughs> so let me turn it back over to Joe Medell. Does it work for literate people as well? Here, here in the United States, they, they've done surveys that say in urban places, um, there are about uh, 40% of people who would prefer to learn from an outline than from a story. And about 60% who prefer... Uh, prefer the story. In places that are not so urban, not so cosmopolitan, it's 80 or 90% would prefer the stories. And in the developing world, it's 99 and 44 100% people prefer the story. (laughs) We can prove that by a test. How many of you remember a story you were taught as a child? In kindergarten or so. Okay. And how many of you can give a summary of last week's sermon? <laughs> All right. So John gave us an excellent example of Bible story. And applause for John. And he pointed out that this can be used at all ages, with children, with adults, with teenagers. How might you change it a little bit if you were working with children? Anything you would change? He was great in being dramatic. He did lots of motions. He does that much better than I do. But that's right. You do a lot more action, a lot more drama. Pardon? Add prompts. Sometimes, okay. Have them act it out. Do a puppet show. And sometimes we have to adapt the questions based on the age of the children. We can't be quite as analytical with younger children. But it works great. We're using it with children. Other than Bible storing, what else can you teach through stories? Health prevention. Anything else? Give me an, ish, an example of a social issue. Okay, human trafficking, selling of people. And why might it be an advantage to teach that through storing? Okay, but 
It's not as offensive. People can relate to it. Any other advantages? Makes it human. It's anonymous. And it's interesting. Who, who was the, probably the best storyteller of all time? Jesus. Why did, what kind of stories did he teach? And what was characteristic of his parables? Spiritual applications. What did he use? Everyday topics, things they would see in their normal everyday life. And, pardon me? He didn't use names. What's another advantage of storing? How many of you remember the story of Nathan going to talk to David? All right. Why did he use a story? What story did he tell at that point? And why did he teach that through a story? And then what happened after that? You're talking about me. I'm, that's me I'm talking about. What would have happened if Nathan had just gone to David directly? He could have lost his headline. All right. So storing sometimes allows for a self-discovery, and sometimes it's a way to address tricky points. Now, we've got all of our actors and actresses all set up. Let's have um, Manga the monkey and Manga's mother come over here. And I'm going to... And Mrs. Karim, the not-so-friendly neighbor, and the doctor can be over here. Now, let's introduce you first, right? You're Manga, is that right? I'm Manga. And you're Manga's mother. And you're Mrs. Karim, is that right? And you're the doctor. Now, what I have to do is manage to get out of your way and still tell the story. So let me try to, where can I hide? Maybe back here. And I'll go back to Chase style where we sit down with a lot of what we're doing. All right. All right. Now, this is a story of a little monkey called Manga. And Manga never listened to her teacher or to her mother. She, uh, she was very mischievous, and she was getting into everything, and she was also very greedy. Next to her house was a tree where there was a, over the big fence, there was a tree, and, and, and over there lived Mr. Karim, the farmer, and his wife, Mrs. Karim. Manga's mother told Manga, never go over there. Never. Mrs. Karim hates monkeys. <laughs> but Manga never listened. He never listened to any advice. She was very naughty. And she was always looking for adventure. She ran over to Mrs. Mr. Karim's house and jumped from a big tree into the garden. 
There, she found the most wonderful fruit growing. <laughs> Mr. Kareem grew the best bananas in town. In the whole region, Manga ate and ate. Uh, I'm sorry, Doctor, why don't you go over to the side a little bit, Doctor? All right, well, we've got to let Manga get in trouble by herself. <laughs> she ate and ate and ate. And finally, feeling kind of sick, she went to sit down under a lemon tree. After a few minutes, she heard the heavy tread of Mrs. Karim's feet. Oh, no! She quickly jumped up and started to run. Mrs. Karim ran after her, but Mrs. Karim was fat and lazy. <laughs> and soon gave up. <laughs> by the time, by this time, Manga was hopelessly lost and feeling very sick because of all those bananas she ate. She saw a door and ran into it and slipped in. She was inside Mrs. Karim's kitchen, but feeling sicker and sicker. Perhaps I can find some real medicine here to make me better, she thought. The kind the doctor gave me last time I was sick. She went to a small room next to the kitchen, and on the table there were lying some bottles of medicine in a red basket. She saw some red medicine with a label on it, but she didn't know how to read very well, so she couldn't tell what it said. It must be the same, she thought. She grabbed the bottle. Now my pain will go away, and I'll be able to go home and find my way back to my mother. She drank quite a lot of medicine from the bottle. And... Uh, and put it back and slipped out the door and ran home before Mrs. Karim could come back. <laughs> Once inside his, her hole, she flopped down on the sofa. She felt ditchy, uh, dizzy and itchy all over. Her body was covered with red rashes. What is it, she said. What's happening to me? I feel rotten. I feel so bad. She called her mother. Her mother looked at her. <laughs> oh, Manga, where have you been? What's happened to you? She told her mother. At first, her mother was angry, but then she started to get really worried. What are you telling me, she wailed. I know Mrs. Karim throws her old medicine bottle in the red basket in her house. When you drank was probably not the same as what the doctor gave you, and it was probably out of date. Mrs. Karim also buys most of her medicines in the market. And who knows what stuff they could have given her. You have taken bad medicine sighed Mrs. Monkey. 
We must go to a doctor. The doctor was just as concerned as Mrs. Monkey. Come on over, doctor. We'll come take a look at Manga. Some really bad medicine is being sold in the, do- in the market these days. He said, people pay a lot of money for it. Some of it is useless, but some of it's really harmful. So he sent Manga to the hospital. There they put something down her throat and made her even sicker. <laughs> Mrs. Monkey a great deal of of money and made Manga very ashamed when his brothers and sisters teased him. All right. A big applause for the actor. We don't need I won't bother with it, I don't think. At least not yet. Maybe in a bit. All right. John told you that there are three types of questions that we ask after we tell a story. What's the first type? (coughs) Observation. What happened? And what's the second type? Interpretation. And what's an example of an interpretation question? What would have happened if, or why, or what do you think about? Okay, and the third type of question is a? Application question. All right. Now, you're now a group of children, and a few of you might be trainers. How would you get at the, the observation questions? What could you do to make sure they had observed the story real well? Have them retell the story. Sometimes you can ask simple questions, what happened, then what happened, what happened next, or sometimes we give a little bit more specific questions to lead you on. So who can give me a quick summary of Manga's adventures? What happened to Manga? All right. Manga was this monkey with her mother, and she was not supposed to go to the neighbor's house. And then treated. Excellent. Good. Now, your trainers, what are some interpretation questions that you could ask? Give me an example of a why or what would have happened if question. Who's got an example of an interpretation? What would have happened if Manga hadn't told his mother what had happened? Okay. What could have happened to Manga if her mother never found out that she'd taken the medicine? What's another why question? Why did Manga take the medicine? Why did the medicine make her sick? Why did the medicine make her sick? What was the matter with the medicine? 
Why did her mother tell her not to go to Mrs. Kareem's house? Okay. All right. What did, why did she not why shouldn't she go to Mrs. Kareem's house? <laughs> Maybe Manga won't be so eager to go eat those bananas the next time. <laughs> Any other interpretation questions? All right. So another way to tell a story is you can tell an open-ended story that has different endings. Is another way of going about it. What would be an example, your children now, what would be an example of an application question for a child? What point are we trying to get across here? Don't take someone else's medicine. Obey your parents. Medicines can be dangerous. They don't just make you better. So what would be a question that you would ask a child to get at those points? What should you do if you're not feeling well? Okay. You can start generally. Have you ever taken a medicine? Why do we take medicines? Are all medicines good for you? Can medicines make you sick? Who should give you a medicine? So we're trying to teach the child that they only take the medicine that their parents give to them or that their doctor gives to them. What would be the application for an adult listening to this story? What should Mrs. Karim have done differently? Pardon me? Right. Or where do you store your medicines in your house? Or perhaps, okay, let's move on from this story and let me ask you about your experience. Some of you have done storing. How many of you have done Bible storing? Okay. How many of you have taught health skills through a story? You've done quite a bit of storing, it sounds like. Anybody taught anything else? other than health or Bible. What we're trying to do with our community health evangelism materials is alongside every set of standard lessons have stories that go along to it. And the stories reinforce what we teach in the lessons, or sometimes they can be used in place of it. Our final step in teaching a story is to practice, have everyone practice teaching it. Why? What do we hope they'll do after they've heard this story? All right. How many of you could tell um, a friend about Bartimaeus or about Manga? So our goal is that you will use the same story and teach it to your neighbors or your friends, whether this could be children teaching it to somebody else at school or it could be adults visiting neighbors in their community. I think we're officially out of time. Let me stop, but we'll both be here if you have any questions. And if some of you would, I'm sorry we didn't have more time to share your experiences, but if some of you would like to share your experiences as well. Okay. Thank you very much. And I hope that, I hope Manga recovers.